Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today we have an interview with a brand new record label. And I love when we talk to brand new record labels. And a couple weeks ago, we talked to Warp Records, a label that's been around for 30 plus years. And it's interesting, The um, there's a lot of similarities, but then the, the exciting dynamics between a label that's been around forever and then a label that's just launching now. There's I, I feel like it's cool that we can learn from both groups. And so today we're talking with Mike from Wicked Opossum Records. And this is a label that is um, preparing their first release in just a couple weeks from when you're listening to this. And I, I just think it's, you know, this label is doing some really bold things right out of the gate. And, and you know, we hear about this. Where he's doing a Kinks compilation and he already had Weedis join on board. And, and it's just incredible some of the um, the bold and uh, adventurous tactics that Mike has been using with his label so far. Our takeaways that we discuss in this episode and you'll find in our newsletter is that no one, number one is no one's gonna give you permission to do this. Number two, and this, this is Mike's advice, rush into research. And I think I resonate with that so much. I love that rush into research. And then number three, things cost two to four times more and they take two to four times as long than you expect. And that's also uh, wise wisdom from even from someone who's just beginning. So I think you're going to pull a lot out of today's episode. You know, if you're one of our listeners who are still in the dreaming phase of, of starting a label or are have begun their label, you have the name picked out, maybe you're registering it, um, maybe you've, you've got some social media stuff and you, you just want to dive a little bit deeper, make sure you've downloaded my free record label toolkit. Inside the toolkit, there's a bunch of templates and checklists and workbooks and and things that will help you, give you a leg up uh, in in kind of demystifying this world of, of running and building and growing record labels. So go to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit to download that for free. So there's a lot I know about your label, but as I was kind of thinking about it today, uh, and I want to get into everything, you know, that, that you're working on, but I don't think I know the origin, like w- w- where the seed came from uh, and when it got planted in you. So about a little over 10 years ago, I was in college and I was, it was all DIY bands, booking, like show trading, um, playing literally anywhere we could, like there weren't any venues where we're at. So one, one time I rented, uh, it was going to, it eventually got turned into a Starbucks by running an abandoned bookstore for $300 (laughs) for a night and, uh, through a show there. Wow. Um, But, uh, around then it, there were these bands that I thought were just absolutely awesome. And it was, I was just astounded that no one else was listening to them or knew them. Yeah. So I would, my my idea, the initial idea is like, man, I, other people need to hear these guys. These guys are great, and I wanted to start a a label to help promote those people. Mm-hmm. And was like, oh, I have absolutely no money. And I was like, okay, I'll do a distro. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen people do that, like No Idea Records, where it's a lot of record labels. Seems seemed to me like it was curated. It was mm-hmm. all the kinds, same kind of genre. I was like, okay, I'd, I'd, want, I'd want to do something like that. And then I hit up a, a band that was about an hour away in Blooming. I was at DePauw 
in Greencastle, Indiana, outside of Indianapolis. So I hit up a band from Bloomington. He's like, hey, I, I want to run distro and carry your stuff. Could I have a couple records? Uh, and they were real hesitant. And said, yeah, you can buy them. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't have the money to uh, buy a couple seven inches from a band. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the furthest that went back then was uh, my buddy's band. They're called The Fuckers. Uh, which uh, obviously lends itself to some issues, <laughs> but they uh, they just done some show trading with us and did a little like a week long tour. And at the end of the tour, he handed me a stack of burn CDs and glued, like folded and glued, printed sleeves, like CD sleeves, mm. uh, and said, "Here you go." Do with them whatever you want. Um, good luck yeah. starting the label. <laughs> and I couldn't give them away. Oh, really? Yeah. What did you try to do yeah. with them? Um, originally, I was kind of—I I actually I hit up like the university bookstore. <laughs> That's good. And I said, "Hey, I'm like I'm a student here. I'm trying to start a, like a record label, a distro. It's my band and a couple others. I would love to like have." a little shelf space, just like a foot yeah. in the books, in the university bookstore. And they never got back to me. <laughs> that's, that's as far as it. Yeah. 10 years ago, it's as far as it went. Yeah. And I was just, I knew I didn't have the money uh, to put out records of my own band, let alone other people. So it kind of, that the whole idea just faltered for a while. Okay. And then, um, I ended up after college, I ended up kind of bouncing around between, uh, I, I was going in the direction between, I went to school for archaeology and the museum studies a little bit. And I went and did a course that seemed like all the National Park Service positions uh, for docents or tour guides all, all use this uh the CIG, the Certified Interpretive Guide. So I went and took a course uh, in Iowa, drove up five hours, I think, um, for, for over a weekend, met a bunch of people, and ended up applying to, they're all naturalists at like state parks. So I ended up applying to be a naturalist at Indiana State hmm. Parks. Uh, moved three hours south uh, and did that for six months, about a month or two into it. Uh, I broke my collarbone, so all hopes <laughs> of playing drums that summer kind of went out the playing with the band right. for a while. Went out the window with that. I was actually uh, I hit, I was driving home late one night and uh, on my motorcycle and hit a deer. Oh, jeez! I got I got pretty lucky. Just, yeah, just a couple broken bones. <laughs> but after that, I went home, worked all winter, and then. That January went on tour, filling in for a couple bands. Okay, um, like on drums. Yeah. So that was that was a good experience because one of them they were living off food stamps and just whatever handouts they could get off people. Um, they literally lived in the van and just toured you around. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> not, not this way. Yeah. Um, good guys, but it was like, okay, like whatever the way they're doing, they've been touring a year. 
feel like anyone that was kind of in the DIY scene because they'd been touring so hard, at least knew of them. Right. So there's something there missing where maybe if the songs are better or if some, something was different, they should have taken off already, I felt oh, like. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Offspring toured for 10 years before Smash. So. Right, right. <laughs> um, but after that, I ended up uh, getting a job locally, start up the band again, uh, working in the Indiana Dunes for the National Park Service, uh, and then or working at a nonprofit that worked in the National Park. Uh, and then my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. Okay. Um, I needed some money, took a job teaching, taught for two years. Um, I kept getting laid off in the teaching jobs. They kept cutting the classes I was teaching. Um, and then I took a job with uh, my, my family runs a HVAC business and he was short on employees. So I'm working for him mm -hmm. about two years into that. I realized, okay, this is where I thought that I would be when I found out I was having kids. Um, just a job I'm not super into. I'm only making enough money to pay the bills. I, like I'm not broke, but it, it's not comfortable. Yeah. And well, if I'm going to be in this position, I might as well be doing what I want to do. Yeah. That's, than, that's actually a already yeah. broke. Might as well. Yeah. Doing something I enjoy. That's funny. <laughs> that's a great, that's totally true. Like if you're not, if you're just barely getting by, uh, you know, doing something that you hate. Yeah. Very, very wise of you. I love that. Yeah. So I'd actually two years before like winter of 2019, I'd already been talking about quitting my job and trying to do music full time. And thankfully I didn't because a couple months later, <laughs> right. COVID. Right. Right. Uh, so, and I, and I actually, ironically I did when COVID hit, I had already scheduled out a couple live streams. Hmm. I just didn't have the, so I, 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 along this way, these past, this past decade, I've kind of been watching things and I kept having ideas and I wouldn't be able to go through with them as further as, as, as far as I'd like. And then I'd see other people be successful at those ideas I had. I'm like, okay. So like, yeah. I, I feel like I kind of a feel for this. Yeah. Okay. That's so, cool. Uh, so last August, it's like August 2nd or 3rd, I started, I spent two to four hours a day for two months hitting up every single band I liked and asking them, Hey, um, putting together a, like a Kings tribute compilation. Would you be interested in putting a track together? And originally, uh, it was just bands I knew. And like that you, that you knew personally. Yes. That I knew personally. Okay. okay. And then I started hitting up some people adjacent to them and they started being interested or saying, yes, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is like, so within one day I'm like, Oh crap. All right. I got to get a professional email going. <laughs> um, so you were, a, you were a nobody, I, right? Like this is August, yeah. 2021. So you're, you don't even have a label. You're just saying, I want to put a compilation together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First for, for the first day. And then second day, I called my buddy and said, Hey, uh, remember that jungle juice I made in college? And he said, Oh man, this is awesome. Possum. And we called, we called the jungle juice that. Okay. 
um, can I, can I name a record label that? He's like, so you're calling me to ask if you can use the rights to the name. Right. He's, he's joking with me, yeah. but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes I am. So yeah, man, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got awesome, possum records.com, which is right. A mouthful. Yeah. And I started emailing bands and, um, when the buzzcock said yes, and then asked for a guarantee, mm. I said, Oh crap, this got real serious. Uh. Real fast. Wow. For, they, asked, they asked for advance, not a guarantee. And, uh, and so, wait, sorry, when did you start e- like getting brave and emailing? Like within a couple of days. Okay. Okay. I think I think August fourth, I hit up I hit up Weedus and a couple of the others. Okay. And actually, no, they were they were in the next week. August fourth, I was hitting up uh, uh, some slightly bigger bands, but not them yet. Okay. And bigger than that, actually. So Buzzcocks wanted an advance, and what happened with yeah. that? Um, negotiated the advance. I said, all right, cool. I don't have the money right now. I'll hit you up in two months when I have the money. Yeah. And you can record. Uh, at that time, all the, all the spare money I had, I was scraping together for an artist, for lawyer fees, for yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, and um, ended up uh, getting contract together, got artwork started. And then around November, I was still hitting up some bands, but other bands kind of stopped responding to me. I got, I had about 40 tracks picked and in January I only had about 12 recordings. Okay. So most of the bands just kind of off the face of the earth yeah. or whatever. Well, I mean, that's kind of normal, right? If somebody says, you want to do this, it's easy to say, yeah, that sounds fun, but then it's another thing to actually rehearse this track and book studio time and make it happen, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Some random unknown guy and I'm asking totally. to. Well, the fact uh, that you had 12, that's, I mean, when you're making a compilation, I've never done this before, but I, I wonder if you almost need to contact 40 people it, knowing it's a numbers game. That, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um. Yeah, I had like ten. I had at least twelve tracks. Um, I know there were there was a couple that ended up being cut from it. Okay, uh, but uh, there was a point where I was reaching out to people, kind of eleventh hour, and like, "Hey, man, you, yeah, I'd like another track or two. It'd be a huge favor if you could, yeah, go in and record." And, and, um, and and how important was it to get like? reputable names like do you think you could have pulled this off with with not household names like just friends bands but now that you have reputable that was names. the that was the original plan the original plan was i didn't have the resume yeah or portfolio i needed to get a job in the music industry so uh i took the advice of dirk manning who is a he's a comic book writer he has a book, Right or Wrong, The Creator's Guide to Making to making Comics. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is if you want it bad enough, or if you want hey, if you just want to make comics in general, just start making them. Yeah. No one's gonna give you permission. Yeah, that's right. You have to yeah. give yourself permission and yeah. just do it. Um so the original plan was just my friends' bands, but put something cool together. Um and six months later, put it out, probably just digitally in CD. And if people really liked it, maybe vinyl later. Yeah. I 
uh, wasn't expecting it to turn into what it turned into. One second, I need to let my dog in. Sure. So, okay, so when did you feel like, okay, I need to take this seriously? Was it when Weedus came on board? Is that like now? No, um, so Weedus were on board and they were on the Summerland tour when I hit them up. And behind the scenes, what I didn't know is that they had been uh, fiscally not doing great, especially through the pandemic. Um, And they ended up getting invited by Everclear to do the the annual kind of 90s, uh, early 2000s, uh, I guess, revival tour, you could mm-hmm. say. It was with Hoobastank, Living Color, Everclear, and then Weedus. Mm-hmm. They needed a dog sitter or a place to board their dogs. And they found someone across the river in New Jersey. And they get there and they say, uh, she, she asks what, why, uh, why they're going to be gone for so long. She says, oh yeah, we're musicians. We're going on tour. She says, oh, okay. You might know my, uh, boyfriend. He's in the rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> He's Dave Davies. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. They ended, they ended up FaceTiming. Uh, and later that day, as Brennan goes into into the house or band practice forever and starts saying, Hey, you'll never guess what happened. Matthew and Weedis responds, but Hey, guess what? We just got asked to do a kinks cover. Oh man. That is so, so weird. Really, really weird. So <laughs> weird. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about that until about a week ago. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know the exact story. Oh my gosh. But, um, in July, in, in June or July, uh, actually, I'll, I'll back up a little. So uh, around April, I was trying to get it out as soon as possible. I knew vinyl was taking about eight months. Mm-hmm. I wanted it out by Christmas because there's Father Christmas was done by the Riverboat Gamblers. Right. So I was like, okay, we got to gotta get this out in April, like done and mastered. Um, and I'd been thinking about for a while doing like a seven inch where it was the stereo mix on one side and the mono mix on the other side. Kind of like mm-hmm. uh uh, a tribute to uh, just the prevalence of mono mixes and how some people prefer them for sure. a lot of songs. Sure. So I continued my streak of asking yeah. and I, I reached out to Shell Talmy and asked him if he, the, the original producer for the Kinks, the, okay. who, the creation, uh, and I asked him if he'd be willing to do mono mixes of the album. And he said yes. <laughs> and he said, how much money you got? <laughs> and, uh, Okay, give me a little more than that. Yeah. And I said, oh, hey, right, cool. Uh, can I can I fly out there and attend in person? He's like, yeah, sure. So, wow. I got a flight, and two weeks later, I was out in LA. I want to let me interrupt. Watching him do mixes. I got to interrupt the story because I want to ask you a couple of questions about like your personality. Um, like, where does this confidence come from? I mean, you you mentioned the comic book quote, but like, I mean. Are you aware of this like superpower <laughs> that you have or, or like, or is it just blind ignorance? It's a mix of both. Uh, I've, I've failed so spectacularly before 
that it just a lot of it doesn't fail me. Yeah, me yeah, yeah. You don't care yeah, if failure, failure doesn't bother me. Anymore. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, that's I did, great. I, I did such a bad job in my presenting my undergraduate thesis that it's like <laughs> ruining me of any shame for the rest of my life. <laughs> but even in front of bands like the Kinks and Weedus, the people you admire, yeah. you're okay. I. Uh, I was a little choked up when I was talking to Cone from Sum 41 on the phone for the first time. Uh, that was a little weird. Do you get but, nervous when you talk to these people? Yeah. 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 yeah the first time I talked to him, uh, I'm a bit nervous. But then after that, yeah, uh, get comfortable pretty quick. I do um, have like more confidence now just that you've done all of this. I mean, the album. Yeah. 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 yeah just, everybody is a regular person. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's such a good lesson too, I think, for our listeners that uh, I just finished this book called Do Hard Things. And like, you know, this is like this motto that I've had in business. It's like, if it's uncomfortable, it's probably something you should be doing. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's probably where the most return is, is lying. And, and for you, it's, it's calling Weedus, it's calling Sum 41, it's talking with the Kings. I mean, like that's, it's just, good evidence for our listeners. Yeah. So I, had already had those mono mixes lined up and I was kind of keeping them secret mm-hmm. a little bit. I was, I wanted to stretch out the promotional window of the project. And actually it is, this is the first time most people are hearing about it, that mm-hmm. there's going to be a stereo version of the album out in December. And then early next year, remixed from the ground up from all the multi-tracks, uh, in mono, there's gonna be a second version of the album. Wow. Um, and then I'm in the middle of making uh, a T-shirt design for every single song, so it'll be single art for every single, all 14 songs. And you know, we, project. We, but it, it didn't really, it, it didn't really get serious till it, last, last July, as things are already getting mastered. We just got their master back, and Brendan got COVID. Ended up chatting with Dave again. And said, "Hey, Dave, we we did a we did a Kinks cover," and he showed it to Dave. Dave showed it to Ray, his brother, and Ray emailed Weedus and said, "Please work directly with my publisher and BMG to promote this track. It's wonderful." Oh wow! So last July, I started. I began working directly with the Kinks three publishers, uh, particularly Carl and Roundhill. Uh, and then also the four gentlemen that are the Kinks team over at BMG. I've been had a couple meetings with them, and they retweet and repost a lot of my stuff. Um, this, I mean, this is incredible. I love, I love a story. <laughs> whenever, like, I mean, do they know that you're a nobody? Like, have you, <laughs> have you been I hiding this fact? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I love it. I think it's so amazing. It, I think it just demystifies a lot of things for people because a lot of us make up excuses and it's like, we can't do a Kinks cover. If we're going to do a Kinks covers a compilation, we're going to do it just with local bands and we're going to make it unofficial and and we're not going to pay publishing and we're, and we're just going to do it under the radar. A lot of us make excuses and give ourselves these off-ramps so that we don't have to do these hard things. But it turns out we can do them. You're, you're the proof. <laughs> yeah, it's just two to four hours a day. Every day after work for a year. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Is is it? Um, it was it was hard work for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it still is. Yeah. So um, I 
in, in July, after that happened, I was looking at all I wanted to do with the album mm-hmm. and just how fast some of the artists were getting back to me. It's like, okay, I literally, there's, and like radio campaign and just reaching out to record stores. Like, I was like, like how much time it would take literally at least two weeks to reach out to every record store in the country about this. If I was just calling people or emailing yeah. them, I was like, okay, I literally don't have that much time. Right. So I'll, I, I said, Hey, how at work? I was like, Hey, how, how far are we booked out on furnace and air jobs? So oh, three weeks. All right. Uh, I'm leaving in three weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I took out, uh, luckily because I went to college, uh, with student loans, I've really, I had really good credit. So I was able to take out about, I think I'm about $25,000 on credit cards as, uh, zero percent APR cash advances. Mm. Uh, so living off that and then also using that to pay for pressing costs and all that. So since August, I've been self-employed. This is uh, a this is a part of the story that a lot of people I you don't hear very often. You know, a lot of people try to keep it a side hustle for as long as possible. Why I, did, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And and but you decided to go full in with quitting your job and with like putting actual cash on the line. Yeah, yeah, I went and jumped in deep and have to swim out now. Yeah, yeah. And, and was that was that just because of how much time you thought that this release couldn't happen in the way it should happen if you had a a part-time job or a full-time job. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um I even I got myself set up to substitute teach again here. Mm-hmm. I went for half a day once. I just haven't had enough time. Yeah, um, I, I've I've done a few live sound gigs. Like I have a PA for my own band that yeah. I've gone and done done live sound a couple of times, about a grand from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm just bleeding money and yeah, wait until, <laughs> wait until the money can come in and so doing doing a lot of the artwork myself. So. Uh, We've talked about this before, and it's one of my favorite things about your label is how you have your own personal interest in like the collectibles world and yeah and 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 things outside of music uh, and even art and how that informs how you create products and and are creating records. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, i've I've always collected action figures and trading cards, and I've been i'm gonna I'm gonna keep some of them secret for a little bit, yeah. No one's ever done them, but I'm working on ways to sell physical products with a download code as a way to physically sell singles where mm-hmm. it's not the recorded mirror. It's not the recorded piece of music embedded into it. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So as, as an example, uh, I just, uh, one of the bands I'm working, working with a, custom toy maker on a uh, action figure That's so uh, of one of the bands I uh, just sent the prototype back to the guy and we're gonna I, I thought the head could be a little better so we're gonna try to get a 3d scan of Brendan's head I, I mean that's pretty innovative um, and and like I mean you've that's just something that a lot of bands wouldn't think of or sorry a lot of record labels wouldn't think of but that just comes from like your interest yeah yeah, my interest in yeah. background, like yeah. the barcode. Instead of a barcode, it'll be uh, like a Bandcamp download code. Yeah, that's so awesome. That in, or uh, the idea I had first, but thought saw that failed was I was working to my own band had a song 
basically about smoking weed. And I hit up a couple growers I knew and was working towards. I wanted to sell uh, mylar packs of, of uh, marijuana <laughs> with a scratch off download code to the single on the back. <laughs> and everyone else talked to all the printers. No one could do individual download codes. That was the that, and then it takes six to twelve months to get a strain of weed approved. And they do genetic testing, and by the end of it, <laughs> they usually show that um, someone already has that strain trademarked somewhere else. Oh my gosh! Um, so I just decided not to go down that. <laughs> I, I, I did a lot of exploring with that, but yeah, like that that kind of thing. Well. Uh, and I'm I'm coming out with a what I think one of the ones you're referring to. I'm coming out with a compilation in March, and uh, for that one, I'll be releasing it as uh, trading card packs uh, with a download code to the album. So it'll be like 20 bands, trading card packs of 10, and you have to get a couple different packs to try to get all the bands. And each each pack will have a download code to the compilation. That's so cool. And but even just the with the kinks, you know, um, the the way you're doing the mono mixes and the stereo mixes yeah. and and the different artwork and stuff. I mean, that's just uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I mean, we you know, I'm working on an episode now. We're talking about. Uh, an individual or a record label's unfair advantage, and I see this a lot in you. It's always hard for us to identify our own uniqueness, but there's this obsession with making something one of a kind, as if you were making like a comic book, you like what you talked about, or some sort of rare item. And that's I love that about your label. I hope that our our listeners kind of take inspiration from that. And and I think that's your unfair advantage is that you're a collector, that you are kind of just coming at this label idea from a super strange angle that a lot of people, uh, are, they're not doing it. And I mean, it's it, what, you know, you're I'm, doing. Yeah, I love it. If anyone's ever been to Third Man Records, they're, they do merchandising perfectly. I sure. mean, it's a tourist trap. Sure, yeah. Well, I was like, I was, I was looking around the store last week when I was in Nashville, uh, and I was like, okay, I've had all these ideas before. They've already done them, mm. which is, which is nice. It's, reaffir- it's, it's reaffirming. And I mean, you listen to some old Chuck Berry interviews. Nothing's not been done already. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> Just that's do it in your own exact yeah. way. Like, yeah. Your own way will be unique, but your general idea has already been done. And just don't worry about it. Just go do it. <laughs> did you you but, did you have labels or artists that you admire before starting your label that you were trying to model after? You mentioned Third Man, but uh, yeah, their merchandising is amazing. Yeah, uh, Bad Time Records and Asian Man Records are both incredibly generous and build a great community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love to kind of follow in their footsteps of. Uh, and I think I think uh, Mike at Bad Time just I think it's 250 record club subscriptions he got for the year. That's awesome, uh, and that's that's incredible. Like from a behind the scenes perspective, look at that. It's like that would that would pay for vinyl pressing for a lot of them, where you don't have to. You wouldn't be panicked worrying about where money's coming in in six months if you have. It's incredible people. Putting yeah. forward the money, saying I, I support you and your label. Yeah, I'm excited to go this next year with you. Yeah, like that's wow. I know 
I, I love subscriptions. We're doing, uh, we're focusing on it re- in an upcoming episode. And I, I just love, and we've talked about that before with a, a label in the UK about how, I mean, 250 is a massive number. But I mean, if you're, if you're pressing 500, it's possible that, you know, your costs, like your, those supporters are taking care of your costs and everything else yes. is profit for you. Yes. And that's so beautiful. I mean, that's the dream for labels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what have been some yeah. of this? Yeah. Go ahead. Do you want to say something? Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I, I looked into doing because uh, there's there are at least twelve, uh, twelve songs each with a mono mix, and I, I did look into doing a seven inch club. Okay. Where every month people would get a new seven inch. Yeah. Stare with mono. Is it too expensive? Oh, sure. Yeah. And if if, if you, even if you did lathe cuts, I don't feel comfortable charging. It cost me fifteen each. Yeah, I for know. each seven inch. I know. Nice. Yeah, I know it's hard. Those are hard. Uh, what so have been? My, my label just isn't big enough yet. Yeah. for that kind of thing. I'm excited <laughs> for what it is. Totally. What have been some of the struggles along the way? Uh, time managing it, realizing everything <clears throat> takes four to eight times as long and costs two to four times as much. <laughs> as <you think laughs> that's a good, every time, no that's matter so what. True. Yeah. Um, I just last night I just finished up the uh, artwork for one of the seven inches, mm. like the whole cover. And I still need to, the album cover and all that's done, but I still need to finish up the back cover so I can order CDs. So that'll, that'll end up being a rush order. Mm. Uh, so I'll lose a little money on that, having to do a rush order for yeah. four or five week turnaround. Nothing terrible, but it's trying to save money doing everything doing a lot of it myself uh getting it exact way i want with the art just it takes longer and one in of this the, case one of I the things <laughs> right one of the things i've noticed about you is you've been calculated about this and i know you, you you think that like um you're running out of time and you're managing time but i mean just the idea of like you know when we first started talking was back in june and most entrepreneurs can't help themselves but rush into something and the, the idea of like you starting this in august of of 2021 and and the record coming out at the end of 2022 it just seems like how have you kept yourself temperate planning like one release over the course of 6 to 8 months so well i've uh i rush into research yeah I'm excitedly run. I, I won't rush into the making, but I'll yeah. rush into the research and the talking and the uh, with the action figure. I started my uh, uh, my grandpa buys and sells shoe patents. He 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 uh, used to own uh, Foot Joy, the mm-hmm. golf shoe. Okay, uh, so he'd work for Timberland, Wolverine, and others. And he, he goes to China all the time. So I was talking to him about toy manufacturing mm. and. So I, I figured out toy manufacturing really quick. It's like, okay, like I would have to do this on such a scale that there's no way, there's no way I'm going to send 10,000, sell 10,000 action figures of the musician. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I reached out to like a lot of uh, custom toy makers on Instagram and found out, found one that he can, said he can make up to 50. So, oh, okay. Wow. So we'll do, we'll do that as pre-orders. Well, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. I love, I love that advice, like rushing into research. It's almost like you have all this pent up 
excitement. And a lot of people will just sign a band quickly and release it. That's what I did 10 years ago. I, I released 12 records in one year because I just was too excited. But I love that idea of like spending all of that energy into planning and developing as opposed to. Yeah, I, that's I really wise. Uh, there's a band from Russia, and I, if I had more money, I would have rushed into putting out the record on on, on vinyl, I, an old an old record like back catalog. Mm. Mm. And I even talked to the guys like, yeah, it probably it wouldn't make sense. Even in the original proposal, it was like it wouldn't make sense to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and he agreed with me. Yeah, and I said, but what I do want to do is. Uh, and I, I still might do it. Um, and it's been done before, so I'll just say it anyway. But uh, you know, R- Russia used to do the uh, they take the X rays and they'd have the bootleg records. So I was going to do a a flexi single. I'd buy some old veterinary X rays. <laughs> oh, here's yeah. a here's a flexi for five bucks of some yeah Russian band. Yeah, like wait, what on, on a on a veterinary X ray? It's like <laughs> I, I I felt like I'd sell through a thousand of those at five bucks a piece pretty quick and then there'd be your pressing money hmm. so i might i might end up doing that for next october still interesting but, that's uh, fun yeah what 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 kind of lessons have you learned already i mean you know i know that you've you're still prepping this like major release and most people don't start with like a major release most labels don't start by by you know, signing <laughs> Weedus uh, to a compilation. Uh, but I mean, you, you're almost a veteran in a way without having released something. You've, there must be some lessons you've learned or that you would give your, tell yourself six months ago or a new label. Um, just learn as much as you can be around people as much as you can. Uh, I've learned a lot about mixing in the past. Uh, yeah. In the past 12 months. Uh, Cause my own, my own band had a song for the compilation made a, I rushed out and bought recording equipment to do it at my own house. And we ended up having artifacts and issues with it. So I returned the equipment, I returned most of the equipment hmm. and went and recorded it at a studio hmm. and was out a bit of money because, because of that. But just don't rush into it <laughs> too much. Rush into the research. Yeah. Yeah. Good um, advice. That's work good. with people that know what they're doing. Obviously you can just start doing it. Yeah, but at the same time, as much as you can, be around other people that are doing it. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna be a mixing engineer, go be around other mixing engineers. Yeah, go. Do you like, find? I, I was lucky. Do you find that uh, people are 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 generally like generous with their time and willing to oh, share incre- their? Incredibly, that's awesome. I, it's yeah. Uh, there's a local uh, record store, Static Age Records. Uh, KC runs at Michigan City, and he's been since the beginning absolutely generous about information about how distribution works to record stores, awesome. all that, and just bouncing ideas off him like, oh, what sells, what kind of yeah um, margins do you need in order to want to get something? I can't afford to do consignment, so it's like, so if I if I and and honestly, the record stores aren't doing consignment; they're forced to just like a comic book shop; they're forced to buy product at cost mm. they don't uh they don't get loaned stock from taylor swift sure <laughs> you yeah. have to buy it straight up yeah yeah so it's just okay it's like i'm some unknown guy like how can i 
how can I make sure that I can get my product to you with demand behind it? So I'm going to end up, there'll be a, one of the variants of the LP uh, will only be able to be purchased through an independent record store. And in order to get that record, the record store will have to buy at least three to five copies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just to cover shipping and all that. Yeah. So they'll, they'll get it. And, and I'll, I'll be, uh, I really don't like scalpers. Mm-hmm. So it, it does hurt me a little bit. One of the release shows I'm doing uh, for the compilations with Ticketmaster. So that it hurts a little. Oh, really? <laughs> um, just the venue sign yeah. up with that. Yeah, yeah. But so I, with, with all the variants and stuff, there'll already be a markup built in. Sure. Like black copies will be, the black copies of the records will be a lot cheaper. Okay. So okay. just leave the record itself accessible. Yeah. The people that are already willing to spend. 30 bucks for a color instead of 20, 25. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to charge him that. Sure. Yeah. That's where my income will come from. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I I'd like to see, we talked about this in our manufacturing episode, but I, I'd like to see the prices of vinyl go up for customers just because in yeah. a lot of their lifetime products, you know, 30 does seem right. Yeah. From what you were last oh, episode. for sure. Yeah. Uh, listen, we got to run, but um, we are right now, as people are listening to this, we're at the end of uh, 2022 um, and, and people will hear this episode not too long from now. So tell tell us what's going on with the compilation and, and, and the next couple of months timeline. So I'm releasing Starstruck, A Tribute to the Kinks in stereo, December 9th. Um, I'm also releasing a seven inch of Father Christmas uh, B with the Shell Tommy mono mix uh, right around then. And a week later, December 17th, I'm doing a release show for that uh, at Reggie's in Chicago. It'll be live streamed. I'm getting the multi-tracks and the video all as deliverables. Hmm. So I uh, might end up doing a concert DVD for next next Christmas of that. Uh, four weeks later, uh, Starstruck uh, B with Brennan's own mono mix is coming out as a seven inch and we're doing a, a release show at Mercury lounge. Um, and on January 14th in New York city. So for the Chicago show, I'm flying in a band from Texas, Riverwood gamblers. And I used my airline credit card miles to fly in <laughs> Fraser, uh, from wrong life from Scotland to the Chicago show. And then for January, uh, Todd Morse from the offspring, who was, one half of Operation MD. He's playing with Weedis and then Joel from Pansy Division and the Avengers and Mr. T Experience. His new band, The Fatal Flaw, is playing in January too. Oh, that's awesome. And then a couple of weeks later, I'll announce the mono version of the album. Um, and then a week or a uh, month, month after that, just about, uh, I'll release the sampler compilation. Just kind of, it's kind of, 20 bands, it's all back catalog, just the best power pop, kind of real melodic, hook, mm-hmm. hook heavy songs I could find. Uh, just kind of flex my AR muscles and exercise that and mm-hmm. just kind of show, okay, if you like this, like that, if you like this compilation, you'll probably like what I'm going to put out as a label. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's great, man. Congratulations. So exciting Thank for you. you. And uh, gosh, I mean, I think we're all going to be kind of like paying attention the next couple of months to see how this plays out for you. It's 
It's very I hope, cool. Hopefully, well. <laughs> yes, uh, for a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so far, so good. I, I really think, and you know, like we've talked about before. I mean, like you're you're seeing you're seeing success just at the very least with these relationships and these opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot better. I mean, you know, it, it's even if you're uncomfortable, it's better than being uncomfortable in a a dead end job <laughs> to be able to yeah. go to play in studios and to book shows and. Yeah, no one, no one's going to give you permission. Just if you yeah. want to do something, just start doing it, and you'll learn a lot. If you want to be an artist, just start drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. This has been great. Thanks, Scott. And thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Wicked Opossum and check out this cool Kinks compilation, then the link to their label and to the Bandcamp will be in the description of this episode. You can just Google Wicked Opossum. One of the great things about picking kind of a weird, unique name like that is that for SEO purposes, you immediately get found. (laughs) So I think that's great. You can just Google that and that'll take you to their band camp and check out this new compilation and follow along with these guys because it'd be really interesting to see uh, how this all turns out. Thanks for listening. Oh, and make sure you download our free record label toolkit if you haven't already. Go to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit.